Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. I guess it's been a while since we've been in Riverdale, and so I, I've enjoyed getting to know some of you better this morning and seeing old friends and so forth. Just to clue you in, um, I'm moving to partial retirement, and so this year I'll be, I'll be here a little less often than in the past, but I'll still be regularly here at Riverdale and looking forward to, to seeing you guys and, and being with you guys uh, whenever we're able to be here. Now we're in this series in the Gospel of Mark, we're looking at Jesus and, and really getting a sense of him and getting to know him in the Gospel of Mark. And so we've come to the end of chapter 1. Today is the last message in chapter 1, where in, in this first chapter we've seen Jesus starting his public ministry and we've seen the, the key events and some of the very key ideas and issues that are foundational to his purpose and his calling and his, and his ministry in the world as the Savior. And so we're, we're, we're continuing to do that today with a very close, intimate picture of Jesus in a, in a healing moment, a healing event. But just uh, what's coming up next, just a preview of coming attractions. Next week, we're going to start into chapter 2. Chapter 2 creates kind of a little mini-series we're going to do together. There'll be four messages from chapter 2 in which Jesus, we see Jesus in conflict with the established religious leaders of his day. We see them opposing him. We see them, him wisely answering them. And, and we're calling this little mini-series, uh, we're calling it Challenging Religion. That's what Jesus is doing in the next four weeks after today. So this is a great topic to explore together with other people, to talk about that and, and figure out what that means for you. And that's why we're really encouraging, as Bill mentioned earlier, that we're really encouraging you to to join a small group, at least for the duration of this short series, to process that with other people as we learn how really Jesus' approach is so different from man-made religion. And especially if, you're, if you've come out or if you were raised in some kind of a, of a, a religious system, um, then this would be like potentially really world-changing uh, for your thinking about Jesus and who he is. So we're encouraging you to, to sign up for one of our groups. So, so far in chapter 1, we've seen Jesus, Jesus on display. We've seen his compassion. We've seen his wisdom, how he teaches and answers. We've seen Jesus healing people, casting out demonic spirits. We've seen him sharing the good news of God's kingdom, that God has entered and engaged the world. And so, in light of that, I don't want that to be abstract for you. I don't want it just to be like, oh, now I know more about Jesus, you know. We've got to make this personal. Because that's who he is. And so I just want to encourage you today. What, what's your need this morning? What's the need that you bring into worship today? What is weighing on your heart? What is it today for you that is bearing you down? Jesus wants to meet you at your point of need today. I believe that 100%. He wants to meet you at your point of, of need today. Are you ready for an encounter with Jesus this morning? Now, what we're going to see it, today, it, we're going to look at a healing, and we're going to see uh, Jesus as the great physician. And so, what, what I hope you'll, you'll come to understand as we explore this today is that is how deeply and personally Jesus cares about you, about you individually. 
and how he welcomes you to come to him and how he has the power to meet your need. Maybe today you need to be healed physically. Maybe today you need to be healed emotionally or spiritually. Or maybe today you've come and you're thinking and deeply moved about someone else in your life who has a need like that. Well, I want to introduce you to Jesus today. We're going to take a close-up personal look at one of the healings that Jesus did. So far, we've seen most of Jesus' healings have been in the crowd, you know. We don't get the details on that. But this is the the most detailed, the most intimate look at a healing that we've seen so far in chapter 1. And as we do that, we're going to learn about how Jesus cares about us. So let's read together from uh, Mark chapter 1. We're going to read verses 45 Uh, 40 through 45, if you have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible app, we'll also have the verses up on the screen so you can read along with us. So here we go, verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surround Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places But people from everywhere kept coming to him. So I want to start by understanding what leprosy is. Taking a closer look at at leprosy, what it is, but also what it reflected and how it was understood in the Old Testament Jewish culture of that time. The first thing, I want you to see the, we're calling it the infection. We're going to see what, what leprosy represents here. But it's interesting that Mark zeroes in on this individual, on this particular encounter, and I assume he did that for a reason. And so I think what we're going to see is that this isn't just about the healing itself, but there's something else going on here that deserves a closer look, and so Mark's going to take us in and give us that, that, that closer view of what's going on. Now we saw again in verse 40 that this man with leprosy came, knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. Leprosy here, it's not necessarily the same as modern day, what we call leprosy today, which is technically called, which is technically Hansen's disease. The leprosy in the Old Testament, really um, in the New Testament, it, it could be any one of several skin diseases. Um, all of them had similar effects, but they were not all contagious the way leprosy that we think of today is. It could have included that for sure, but it included some other things as well. Now, to understand this, leprosy had a unique place in the Jewish culture of the Old Testament because leprosy rendered a person unclean. The word unclean, it's, a, it's a category, we call it ceremonially unclean or, or ritually unclean, because this unclean category in the Old Testament is something that we don't really have a parallel to that much today. To be unclean, it, it refers to, it's, it's kind of a, well, it refers to a number of different conditions 
that rendered a person ineligible to participate in worship activities or ineligible to participate in social life or in the life of the community. It isolated a person, and not just because of contagion. You'll see, we'll see in a minute that they were unclean didn't necessarily mean you were isolated to a leper colony so that you didn't infect other people. But it's a conceptual category that in the Old Testament illustrates or gives us like an object lesson of, of, um, of some greater truths. And so, for example, um, some of these categories of uncleanness were temporary. So, for example, if you touch a dead body, the book of Leviticus, which gives all the rules for this, if you touch a dead body, then you're unclean. You're going to be unclean for seven days, ritually unclean. It's not like you are, are suddenly infected with anything physically, but you're considered ritually unclean, and at the end of seven days, you have to do this ceremony of purification to be included back in the life of the community, the social interaction, and so forth again. In the case of childbirth, a woman was considered ritually unclean for one to two weeks after giving birth to a child. And so leprosy falls into this category of unclean, only that the difference is that this isn't temporary. This becomes something that, that in most cases it becomes you know, your way of life. And so the book of Leviticus kind of explains this for us. It's just a hint of this. In Leviticus 13, it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of, of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, I want you to imagine how that would affect a person. This man who comes to Jesus that day in his desperation, you can understand his desperation because he's going to live a, a whole life of isolation, complete isolation from everybody else. And he had to warn, every, warn everybody wherever you get, like, like calling out unclean everywhere you went, you know. It's like, it's like the fact that people just scurry and run away. You're not allowed to get within six feet of other people or touch other people. We don't know how long this guy had had leprosy. And so we don't know how long it is that he's lived bereft of any human touch in his life. Can you imagine what that would be like, how that would feel? Now, the Old Testament never says that leprosy is a sinful condition. Unclean is not exactly the same as sinful, right? It, it never says that leprosy is a result of some big offense against God, but you know how people think, and, and people assume that if you had leprosy, you must have committed some heinous sin, and this is God's judgment on your life. Well, well that's not true, but if you imagine he, what's going on with him, he has social isolation, and on top of all that, he has judgment and scorn from his community. This is the weight that this guy is carrying for him to boldly come into Jesus' presence and invade the space that he's supposed to stay away, but he comes boldly to Jesus at his feet and, and comes right into his place because he needs to be healed. So, again, leprosy is not God's judgment for sin, but it does have a relationship with sin. Leprosy, and in fact, all of the different forms of uncleanness in the Old Testament were 
illustrations of sin. They were object lessons about sin. It's not sinful to touch a dead body. It's not sinful to have a baby. It's not sinful to, to have leprosy. But in the Old Testament, the point of all of these un- rules about uncleanness and this whole category of unclean was to remind the people of, of human sinfulness, to create a vivid picture that would drive home the seriousness of sin and the reality of our spiritual need and remind people what sin will do in a person. So you looked at a leper or looked at an unclean situation, said, man, and God's idea was he wanted people to connect the dots and say, oh, the physical reflects a spiritual reality. The physical becomes a picture of a, of a spiritual condition. And so like leprosy, sin is a serious infection. The only difference is, with sin, everybody has it. There's nobody who's exempt from sin. We all have that condition. We're born with it. We, we, we live it and, and apply it in our own lives constantly. And like leprosy, sin affects every part of our lives. Sin affects us physically, partly because sin originally, in the condition, original conditions of creation, sin is what al- allowed brokenness to enter into the physical creator world. But on a personal level, sin, honestly, sin is why we eat badly and why we uh, don't exercise, too lazy to get up and, and move and so forth, because, because there's a, this effect of, of dysfunction that's at work in our, in our heart and our motives, in our attitudes and all the rest. That's sin. It affects us mentally, because sin, the Bible says, affects how clearly and truthfully we think. The Bible says we're easily deceived. You know, we have confirmation bias. We have all kinds of other mental tricks that we play to try to avoid coming to grips with the truth. That's the effects, I believe, of sin in our life. Sin affects us emotionally. Now, emotions aren't necessarily sinful, but they can, they can become ruled by sin in our lives. And think about how when we let emotions get in control, how often that can lead us away from what God wants. And we make choices that are, that are foolish and contrary to what God wants and, and his best in our lives. And, and you know that it, we can definitely hurt other people by our emotional responses. That's the fruit of sin. Sin affects us relationally. Think of how much conflict there is between human beings and how much estrangement there is in the world. Because we've been selfish. And sin, of course, affects us spiritually. Our sin is an offense against a holy, righteous God who's perfect and pure in every way. And human sin causes that connection with God to be broken because of our our sin and the sin that we inherited, that, that we're estranged from God. There's a spiritual issue here. And so if you think leprosy was hopeless and this guy who came to Jesus felt, certainly felt hopeless, then, then the illustration here is that, yes, yeah, sin also is hopeless apart from a work of God to bring healing. We can't heal it ourselves any more than this man could just will himself to not be a leper anymore. But the good news is that there's one person who can cure the infection of sin. So I want to look closely at how Jesus responded to this man, okay, and see how their interaction went. In in Mark 1, verses 41 and 42, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Let's look at some of the particular things. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion, 
Again, we've been seeing his compassion here, but this is a word, this is, a, this is sort of a secondary word for compassion. It's a really interesting word. It literally means that his guts were all twisted up inside him. That Jesus, had, you know, when he saw this man, that, that he was like punched in the gut. That's a sense of compassion, like, oh, oh. He, he's moved deeply within. It was a gut-wrenching moment for him. His compassion was not just dispassionate. Like sometimes compassion in, in Asian religions can be. But his compassion moved him deeply and it caused him grief. And then notice, secondly, it says that Jesus reached out and touched him. This guy's a leper. He's not supposed to touch anybody. He's a social outcast. Jesus could simply have said a word and the man would have been healed. Jesus had the power to do that. But instead, he makes this amazing, powerful statement by breaking through the religious and social barriers to actually touch this guy, to touch him personally, is showing him his value and his worth. Jesus says, you'll notice there, I am willing. In verse 40, this man wasn't quite sure. Would Jesus reject him just like everybody else has rejected him in his, his life? Jesus says, no, I'm willing. He, this is where he, he shows us what God is like. Some people come to God. You know, this man is basically making a prayer to Jesus in a sense, asking him for something. Some people come to God thinking that prayer is somehow having to twist God's arm to convince him to do something he doesn't really want to do. But here we see that's not the, the heart of Jesus. God is willing to do whatever is best for you when you ask. But he's not only willing, we see here that he's able. Because Jesus just spoke. Boom. He touched the man, he just spoke. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. What kind of power is that? What kind of ability is that? Now there's an interesting story in the Old Testament that this made me think of about a man who had leprosy. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm not going to look it up, but let me give, just give you the gist of it. There's this man who has leprosy. He's not an Israelite, but he'd heard about Israel's God. And so he came to Israel's king asking, for, asking how to be healed of his leprosy. Well, the king of Israel says, What? Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why was this man sent to me to be cured of his leprosy? And so the king goes like, I, I don't know what to do with this situation. And he sent him off to the Elijah, the, Elisha, the prophet of God. And Elisha sent the man to wash in the Jordan River seven times. Compare that to this. Jesus didn't say, wait, what? I don't know what to do with you. Am I God? Why did you come to me to be healed? He didn't say that. He didn't say, oh, hey, go wash in, in the river a bunch of times. What? No, he just simply said, be healed. And the man was healed and set free. So again, the physical points to the spiritual here. And as, as leprosy reminds us of sin and the reality and the nature of human sin, this healing also reminds us of how God heals sin. And so really, it's the same way that Jesus healed this man of his leprosy. First of all, to be healed of sin, we have to recognize our need. We have to realize what sin is doing to us in our relationship to God and with others and, and, and just in our own spirit and our own soul. 
you know, this, this man with leprosy did not have any problem at all seeing his need, did he? He lived with it every single day. And sometimes sin gets that way in our life. Sin gets so bad that we go, man, I'm broken. I, I'm needy. I'm miserable. I can't go another day like this with the, the fruit that I've sowed in my life and the consequences. I, I need help. And often that's the, the moment that God meets us. He has to drive us to our knees first. But more often than not, most of us don't really realize at all how desperately we need God's forgiveness and how desperately we need what only he can do. We have to. We have to recognize our need to be healed. And then secondly, we have to recognize and realize who Jesus is. This man came to Jesus because he had heard about him. He, he knew that Jesus could do something that nobody else could do. And we have to realize to be healed of sin who Jesus is, that we have to realize his compassion and his power and his willingness. And as we've seen throughout Mark chapter 1, to recognize that he's the Savior sent for this very purpose, and that he is, in fact, God in the flesh. And then, and then thirdly, to be healed of sin, we have to come to Jesus in faith. Come to him believing and trusting in him and trusting in what he can do and what he alone can do. And expectantly cast our hope before God on him. So this man who had leprosy believed that Jesus could heal him. He just wasn't quite sure if Jesus was willing or not. But he certainly believed that Jesus could heal him. And we also have to trust that Jesus can heal our sin. Like in verse 15, earlier in this this chapter where Jesus said, Repent and believe the good news. That means turn from self to God and Trust in him and what he can do. That's how we get healed of our sin. Now, Jesus' interaction with this leper underscores something else that the Bible teaches. Jesus didn't say to the guy, okay, I'll help you, but you have to go do something to help yourself get better. Didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, come back to me when you can prove to me that you're worthy of the healing. Didn't say that. And likewise, salvation, a right relationship with God, forgiveness of our sins, that's by God's grace alone, through faith in the person and work of Jesus alone, there's nothing we can add to it. See, the leper is a great example because everybody can see there's nothing he can do to change his own condition. And that's why it's such a great word, a picture of our sin. Now, Jesus doesn't always heal physical sickness when we ask. Okay, we have the physical thing going on here. We have a spiritual thing going on here too. And Jesus doesn't always heal physical sickness. In the New Testament, there's examples of where he, where he didn't. There were some he did not heal. Now, that's a bigger conversation to explore why that is. But, but let me just leave it at this. We should still ask. Even though we're not sure what he'll do, we should still ask. If he has a reason to us to say wait, then that's up to him, right? He may have a bigger plan than we have. But we should always ask for him to heal us physically and then leave the results to him. But shifting to the spiritual dimension here again, Jesus always forgives the sins of those who come to him. In fact, that's why he went to the cross, to pay the price for our sin in our place. And that's already been accomplished. That's already done. It's complete. There's nothing else that he has to add or anyone has to add to that. 
And Jesus rose from the dead to conquer sin and to give us new life. And that's done. That's a done deal, period. And that's why all we need to do is to take hold of what Jesus has already done. To take hold of that gift that he offers to us to enter into a relationship with God. So here we see this guy is healed. He's miraculously, fabulously healed. And then it helps us see how spiritual healing works. Leprosy points towards sin, and we can see how we can be healed of sin. And we kind of at this point expect this to be the end of the story. Happy ending. But there's more. Right? There's another thing going on here. And I believe what we're going to see is that Jesus wants this man not only to be healed... But he wants him also to be fully restored again. And this, again, is a picture of the Christian life. Because becoming a follower of Jesus isn't just about being forgiven of all those sins of the past or even of the future. But Jesus gives us new life. And he cares about how we live after we come to faith. He wants to bring transformation and restoration in all the ways that sin has broken us. He wants us to be restored And so let's take a look at verses 43 and 44. Jesus healed the man, then he sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So there's more at stake here than just the physical healing. First of all, Jesus wants to uphold the law of Moses. Now, Jesus knocked heads, we'll see in the next few weeks, he knocked heads with the religious leaders a lot about how they had added to God's law and they had abused God's law. But the law of Moses, he never had a quarrel with that. That was given by God for his people during that time. And Jesus fulfilled it, completely fulfilled it. But Jesus always honored the law of God. He always obeyed the law of God. And the same is true here. And then the other thing going on here is that Jesus wants to see this man fully restored. So the law of Moses provided for a ceremony that you go go to the priest to validate your claim to be healed from leprosy. And the priest would examine you and you'd bring an offering and so forth. And, And the priest, when he validated your healing, that marked a person's inclusion in the community again. So it wasn't just about the leprosy being healed. But that was the stamp of approval of the priest that you didn't have to live in isolation anymore. You could participate in the worship and in the, and in the social life and all the rest of the community again. So you're being restored to your old way of life. And until that happened, this man would remain in social limbo. The point is Jesus is telling him to take the steps that God had provided for him to be restored and have his life restored again. Now, it's really interesting that Jesus told him not to tell anybody about the miracle. I, think, I don't think he, ever, he meant don't tell anybody ever. I think he meant go take care of that priestly examination and that, and that ritual and, and let that do the talking. He says let that be the public testimony that you've been clean. Why would Jesus warn him to keep quiet about this? Well, there's some possibilities. One possibility is that that Jesus did not want to be equated with the traveling miracle workers of that day who traveled around claiming to heal people and do do miracles of different kinds because they were showmen. They were in it for fame. They were in it for money. 
Whereas Jesus did, didn't want to pump himself up. He, did, he, didn't want to, he, wasn't, he wasn't in it to be a celebrity, right? He had a mission. So maybe he's distancing himself from that crowd. By the way, that crowd has never gone away ever since the first century. There's always somebody like that. Right? Or it's possible that he doesn't want anybody's faith to be based on spectacle. Right? Because he knows that this, the clamor of the crowds who are seeking the miracles, to see the miracles, the clamor of the crowds isn't going to last. And the crowds are going to be fickle. And that's actually what happened to him in, in, the, in the last week of his life. The crowds turned on him and actually then began to cry out for him to be crucified. And so he understands that, you know, I don't want their faith to be built on just kind of like the latest, greatest thing you've done for me lately. And he also wanted to show that the power of God is not limited to what we would call miracles. And that was demonstrated vividly on the cross, which was when Jesus looked like he was defeated. And in his agony and death, he accomplished the greatest act of power of God, the power over sin. So, you know, that's why, just person, speaking personally here, I'm always kind of skeptical of um, people who claim to do miracles in Jesus' name, but they want to do it in a big show. God can do miracles, no question. But I'm always skeptical about the ones who put on a show, who make a spectacle out of it, who want to draw a crowd and increase their fame and maybe increase their money too, I don't know. I've always felt like if God wanted to give somebody a gift of healing people, then they should just take that gift to the hospital or take it to the nursing home or take it to the homeless camp. And just heal people without making a big deal out of it, without trying to become a celebrity out of it. Do it in quiet. That's kind of what Jesus is doing here, the best he can. Or it could be the practical thing because the guy did not do what Jesus said. He actually disobeyed Jesus on this. And look what happened, the practical result of this. The man went and spread the word. Crowds surrounded Jesus. He couldn't enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the, in the secluded places. People were still coming to him. So Jesus' popularity now is, is going through the roof. And that's not necessarily entirely a good thing because we see it hindered his purpose. We saw last week, right, that Jesus' purpose was to go from town to town and tell people God's good news of salvation. But now he can't even get into a town. And so we hinder God's work when we don't do it God's way. Now, God's still at work through Jesus. People just came out to him instead. But I don't want to hinder God's work by doing it my way. But again, the whole point of this, I think, is that Jesus wanted to see this man fully restored, not just healed, but the weight of that social isolation lifted, the weight of people's thinking about him and his relational life lifted. The weight of feeling that he was being punished by God lifted. And you know what? He wants you to be healed from your sin as well and restored to whatever sin might have taken away from you in your life. So we're seeing here Jesus' compassion. We're seeing how personal and intimate he is with us, with this man. We're seeing his power, how he wipes out disease with a word. And you know what? I hope today you see how those qualities of Jesus apply to you. Yes, you can ask him for physical healing. He invites you to do that. And in fact, we'd, we'd invite you to come up after the service and pray with us for that. 
we'll, we'll pray with you for physical healing. But this episode points us to something greater, something more. More importantly, we want to invite you to come to him to heal you from your sin. Now this man didn't hold back. He came boldly to Jesus, threw himself at Jesus' feet. He, he wouldn't let anybody stop him. He didn't, he didn't question his need. He didn't question Jesus' ability. His only question was, if you are willing, and I want you to see, I hope you've seen today that Jesus is indeed willing to meet you here today, whatever's going on in your life, and forgive your sins no matter how great they might be, and set you on the course of a new life. So come on up afterwards. I'm going to pray to close, and then we have well, some leaders up here, and we invite you to come, and we want to pray with you about whatever burden you're carrying today and whatever Jesus can do for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and kindness to us, how good you are to us. Father, thank you that you've revealed to us the compassion of Jesus, the willingness of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And so, Father, we want to say yes to that. We say, yes, Jesus, you can be that for me. I know, Jesus, you want to be compassionate to me. You are willing, Father, to meet me where I'm at today. We know you can. We know you will. And so come today, come today. Father, Father, would you have given me the strength and the, the boldness to come for prayer? Not just walk out the back door, back into the life I had before, and back into my struggles and my challenges. God, Father, give me the courage to walk forward and when everybody else is walking out, and just to request prayer. We want to have your touch today, Jesus. Whatever you're doing in our lives, we want you to, to prevail. And so we, we commit these needs to you. We commit our needs, whatever they are, God, the greatest needs we have, the needs of the people that we love, we commit them to you today, God, knowing, Jesus, that you are able, you are willing to heal in every way that we need. We pray it in your name, Jesus, for your honor and glory. Amen.